She said to the witch, Aren't you broads a little old to be trick or treating? The witch responded, We'll be younger in the morning. She said, Yeah, sure. Me too. Recognize this quotes movie? Stay tuned to find out or check out the title of this episode of Talking Pictures Trivia. Welcome to Talking Pictures Trivia, the podcast in which a group of geographically challenged friends explore movies through trivia as an excuse to keep their friendships alive. I'm one of these friends and today's host, Nick, and with me is... Tom. And KJ. Today we're departing from our regularly scheduled programming to deliver you a rapid-fire format borrowed from our Talking TV Trivia sub-series. We'll start with four essential trivia questions. The first question is worth one point, and each question after that is worth one more point. Then we'll follow it up with a theme discussion, this week being annual holiday tradition films. Tom, tell us about today's movie. Walking up to theaters in 1993, we would have had to choose between Sylvester Stallone's Cliffhanger, Super Mario Bros., Jurassic Park, Last Action Hero, Dennis the Menace, Sleepless in Seattle, Rookie of the Year, Weekend at Bernie's 2, Free Willy, Robin Hood, Men in Tights, The Fugitive, Cool Runnings, Demolition Man. The Nightmare Before Christmas, Rudy, Look Who's Talking Now, Robocop 3, Adam's Family Values, Mrs. Doubtfire, and today's movie, Hocus Pocus. Nick will be our questionnaire today. Nick, what is Hocus Pocus all about? Three witches, the Sanderson sisters, come back after they are killed 300 years ago to continue to prey on children in attempts to extend their life and maintain a youthful demeanor. It's time for question one. In what year did the witches get hanged? Locked in. Locked in, but I had to do some math and I'm nervous about fence posting. Did you carry the one? Well, I did it in uh, in the spreadsheet. So, however, I, you know, I'm not sure if the spreadsheet uses modern math or. <laughs> okay, KJ, start us up. I have 1693, but again, I'm nervous. Was this the 301st year or was this the 300th year? But 1693. I, I had the same. It is definitely 1693. When the movie starts, they open up a book, you know, the old book, open up a book trope. And on top of that, the history book is 1693. Mm-hmm. So you're locked in. And there are references, even in my intro to what this movie is about, that they got killed 300 years ago. And I believe this movie was made in 1993. So there you go. Mm-hmm. Right down to the mat. It's time for question two. How did Max first trick the Sanderson sisters? And if you can be specific on something of the strategy, you will get an additional point. Locked in? Locked in. I just don't know how specific I can be. (laughs) KJ, try to be specific. Well, go for it. Go for it, friend. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So the way he tricked the Sanderson sisters was first he got a working presumably Zippo lighter so that was step one was to get this lighter that 
was full of fuel. He then hopped up on this beam of wood that was used often throughout the movie in this house museum. I like they must have been excited when they put it together and they wanted people up there. So he goes up there. I think it's a says, loft. That's all it is, right? Was there room up there? I thought it was just a beam. Like was there like <laughs> I thought there was I thought it was a loft also. Oh, all right. Space. That would make a lot <laughs> more sense if there was a beam. ladder. Sorry to interrupt your answer. Around. No, no, that's okay, good. So to be more specific, it might have been a loft. Um <laughs> and then he says, I'm gonna do the reign of uh the reign of terribleness I, I forget but then he takes the lighter to do this the working fire sprinkler system in this museum that looks like it's been closed down for a while uh, he uses the heat from a zippo to break the sprinkler thing that puts the water down and the sanderson sisters get very nervous because he tells them it's bad and he runs that's the first time he tricks them ah yeah, I had kind of the same thing. I, I suppose we could adjust. I mean, one could say the first time he tricks them is with the Zippo lighter because they say he has fire in his hand. Fire comes out of his hand. Um, but then, yeah, the rest is like, I am Max the Great, and this is the reign of terror. And he, and he holds the lighter up to the sprinkler. Water comes out. You're both going to get two points. No one's going to get the extra point. I was looking for burning rain of death. That's okay. what the uh, <laughs> sprinklers were. On those okay. lines, the other time um, in the house that he tricked them was daylight savings time. Mm -hmm. At the end, they thought they were melting and dying because they had the SUV outside with the lights on. Mm -hmm. So uh, those were two prominent. Uh, I, I won't. I won't if, go. If I was going to ask, it, when is daylight savings time invented? I wasn't that a Ben Franklin thing. Was that a Ben Franklin? Okay, so that so it would been not after. have been. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They would. Okay. They, that would have been a new word for them. They picked that up at the party. Mm -hmm. It started. Oh, I know. I'm actually looking <laughs> up in Google. It's giving me the dates. Um, it, it started on April 30th, 1916. Wait, that can't yeah. be right. Oh, and maybe it was not Ben Franklin. Maybe it was a, a more modern, maybe because the electric light and they were like, we're trying to save power. Anybody been on the Carousel of Progress recently? What the hell is the Carousel of Progress? No, 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 no. First, <laughs> it, was, it was first, you it's know what? Though? No, no, your, your Ben Franklin tomorrow. reference, it says it was first proposed by Ben Franklin in 1784. Mm -hmm. I don't know. This is this is a rabbit hole. We don't need to go down. For this episode. <laughs> I just imagine him like, and then I told him, let's play with the clocks twice a year. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is actually funny. Um, in a satirical letter to the editor, the Journal of Paris, Franklin suggested that waking up earlier in the summer would economize on candle usage and calculated considerable savings. So you got to save that candle usage. Actually, that probably would have saved a lot of money. Candles are decently <laughs> pricey. <laughs> it's time for question three. When the three witches' brooms get stolen, what is their alternate transportation to fly? I need all three. Oh, how, three different ways they fly? The vehicles, Tom, the vehicles. What vehicles oh, there's three of them. There's three different Each vehicles. Each one uses something to fly. Oh, Lord. Locked in? I don't. I don't know. Um, oh, and Tom, I hope I'm not misleading you with the word vehicle. I'm using the word vehicles 
Me, yeah, and I, I device thought, apparatus. I thought one was. A, <laughs> I thought one was like a janitor's broom. Um, I'll. I don't. I honestly don't remember. Um, I'll go with the janitor's broom. Uh, lock in first. <laughs> lock in. Lock in. Okay. Tom. I'm gonna go with a janitor's broom. A. Uh, a log and a. A pail. Okay, KJ. I think it was a modern broom, like you're saying, Tom. A janitor's mm -hmm. broom had like the metal. Um, a mop was what Sarah Jessica Parker was on, and then the mm -hmm. vacuum was the punchline to this joke. Oh, okay. The vacuum. So Tom did get the broom right, so I will give him partial credit with one mm -hmm. point, and KJ will get three points. So going into the last question, KJ is the lead with six points and Tom is trailing just by a little bit at four points. So it's anyone's game. Four points on the line. It's time for question four. There are many occurrences in which the Sanderson sisters are unaware of modern conventions. However, there is a throwaway joke by Winifred that doesn't follow this lack of understanding. What is the joke? She knows something modern she shouldn't know and makes a joke. Oh, oh God, I know it. Um, oh, oh, what is it? It's all on the line here. It's a oh, valid Lord, question. I, I know. <laughs> um, locked in, locked wait, in. Wait, wait, locked wait in. I, oh, God. Locked damn. in. Um, locked in. Hold pretty sure. Locked Just in. give me. Um, Not on the line here. Hold the points. Oh my God! I can I can picture the scene. Um, oh, I don't remember. You gonna lock in and for a guess? I'll lock in, and uh, she says, um, "There's a chance Casey doesn't have it." So, uh, uh, well, then he wins, right? Uh, oh yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. Uh, I don't, I don't remember. I'm sorry. I got like a joke about, um, I don't, I don't remember. I honestly just, I, I, I it's driving me crazy. What is it, KJ? It's all, good. it's all good. KJ, do you know it? I think so. I think she's vaguely familiar with the New York state driving situation and asks, yes! what's his name if he has his permit? Yes. Do his you have driving your... permit. Driving permit. Yes. They are Flying fleeing by. the witches, and mm -hmm. she flies up beside him and asks him to pull over uh, so she can see his driver's permit. How would she know about driver's permit? God, <laughs> I, uh, I could picture the scene. I just couldn't get the words out. Congratulations to KJ. Mm -hmm. I just thought that was funny because they really laid it on thick mm -hmm. that they had no clue of like modern conventions like roads and like firemen yeah. being witch hunters and just like all this other stuff and she's like yeah let me see your driver's permit yeah it's, I, consistency funny. is not this movie's strength. no yeah no, 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 no. it was it was funny to me mm. though uh, mm. i can't say it's like a it's not a fourth wall break or anything but it really did kind of throw you out of what they were trying to go for a little bit we'll be diving into our topic of the week annual holiday tradition films right after this quick break We'll be right back with more conversation. <laughs> Return with us if you dare. <laughs> 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 
join another Talking Studios production, Limited Lexicon, where we play through text-based adventure games. Text-based adventure games were computer games from before computers had graphics. The game uses text to describe a scene, and the player types back how they want to interact with the game. I'll read the text from the computer, and my co-host will feed me commands. This season, we're playing through The Hobbit from 1982 on the ZX Spectrum. Here's a quick sample. I thought uh, a lot about our first command, and I think it should be no print because we don't want to print things as we're going along. I think by default, it's not going to print. And even <laughs> if I did print, I, where is it going to print to? 1982? I, I would imagine if we go west, we're going to be south of the troll, right? Just south of the troll land. Yeah, let's try it. You go west. The troll's clearing. The visible... Oh, <laughs> we died. <laughs> <laughs> all right the troll the troll saw us and killed us so i think we have to say the answer to the riddle then the answer is dark say dark i think talk to what golem, golem. say golem dark you talk to golem thorin says hurry up and we died and we died so we went northeast last time so let's go southwest you go southwest. Visible exits are north, northwest. You see the valuable golden ring. Oh, wow. I knew you. That's wait, wait, wait. perfect. Oh, That's wow. perfect. Limited Lexicon coming to your podcatcher and YouTube in late 2022 by Talking Studios. And we're back. In addition to the timing of this film to the soon to be released sequel of Hocus Pocus to many, many years later. I wanted to bring this one up this week to talk about not specifically this film, but films that are annual holiday traditions. And the reason I bring this up is even though it wasn't one of my annual traditions, nor anyone on this podcast, my extended family has an affinity towards this film and is one that they do watch on a regular basis. I thought it'd be fun to explore other films that are holiday traditions or what makes something worthy of a film that we can see on a regular basis or seasonal basis. It's interesting. This movie did pretty poorly in the box office when it was first released. I think it was fourth in its opening weekend, which you know, isn't great for, for a movie like this. Yeah, but if you compare it to some of the movies that, I mean, write that list of movies at the top of this episode. Yeah, it might not be. I mean, maybe they just. They well, also talking it. about one of the films from that list, The Nightmare Before Christmas actually had mixed results when it first came out and became a cult classic years later. That's also true of uh, It's a Wonderful Life, which also was not well received when it first came out and became popular as a as a Christmas classic years later. Um, and so there's something interesting, there's something sort of, I think, intersecting here between sort of cult classics and maybe holiday classics a little true, bit. True, and maybe yeah. just that the holiday is a prompt for doing this kind of cult thing, right? That's kind of how holidays work. I mean, a cult is a, is a term for, uh, you know, a, a religious group after all, if we use it in a non-judgmental way, use that word in a non-judgmental way. Um, and so it seems to make sense that we would Re regularly rewatch these kind of um, odd movies during religious festivals or religious breaks, however you want to phrase it. What's interesting to me is that these these American movies uh, 
tend to find new life in their audiences, in their new audiences, in the audiences they establish through the cult practice, almost as if these movies aren't actually particularly good as blockbusters or as something to go to the theater, but rather they're, they're good as, or they're uh, enjoyable rather as an object that you are familiar with and you can kind of chat along with, you can participate in. And it's probably a very hard movie to enjoy if you haven't seen it already. You're just kind of sitting back and letting things happen. But if you can participate in it, in a, in a certain way, and the most extreme case of this is um, is Frankenfooter, right? The um, oh god, what's it called? Um, Doctor Frankenfooter with Tim Curry and um, and Suzanne and never heard of it, Tom. About? Never no? heard um, of this. Sorry, Tom. Uh, the Rocky Horror Picture Show. There it is. Oh, oh yeah, 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 right. yeah, yeah, yeah. The Rocky Horror Picture Show is like the the gold standard for group participation. That's that's the whole point of it. Um, and that's I think that's not holiday based, right? That's just it, more that cold isn't holiday based, though it is a yeah. Halloween movie of sorts. I mean, it's using Halloween tropes, uh, but I think there's something there in which these movies connect to points in the year in which we all take a break and come together and they're not popular in their own time but they're popular once their audience is able to participate in their pleasure that seems to be what's going on here otherwise you know like i, I actually don't think it's a wonderful life is that great a film however i can appreciate the fact that i i've actually done radio stages of it's a wonderful life before um and you just get a ton of people to come and you know theaters kind of do this thing to get a little extra money and it really works because people love it because they're able to kind of um participate not necessarily in a rocky horror picture show way but in a sort of vicarious familiar way yeah and i guess back in the day right a movie like hocus pocus comes out in theaters it does whatever it does and then it's either very rentable or maybe they play it on tv during halloween and that's what establishes the nostalgia um nowadays movies are more available than ever but all movies are more available than ever so it'll be interesting to see what kind of traditions occur um from a more modern time when everybody can have their own tradition and it's not as much as a monoculture a group tradition so in other words will there be a second life for some of these movies because you know if, if my kids watch the kurt russell christmas chronicles i think it's tall it's called that's on netflix and you know they'll watch it every year and they love it and they enjoy it but if somebody else doesn't have netflix or if they found another netflix christmas movie they liked they might never have hit play on the kurt russell one yeah that that's it it's it gets back to our conversation about the kind of global village that we had with videodrome where you know marshall McLuhan is wrong that these kind of technologies don't create the global village they create the, a sort of plurality right that anybody can access you know and it's a plur it's an interesting plurality because it's not um geographical it's spread out thanks to the internet uh, but the form will still be the same right your your daughters if in fact they like this kurt russell movie will see that every year and and be able to quote it uh, to slow down during particular scenes that they like to go to the bathroom or get food during scenes that are, are, are kind of filler or not that interesting, um, that they're able to adjust uh, the rhythm of their celebration to the film itself. Do you guys have any holiday tradition films? And if so, how did they get established? How did they kind of get into the cycle? 
So I thought about that a lot when when you had brought up the the topic on the text thread. The only thing I could think of is growing up, we had a VHS tape with a few different Christmas shorts on it. Um, it certainly had the Rudolph um, claymation, you know, the stop motion Rudolph. It had Mickey's Christmas Carol. But what I remember most about that tape is the ads, the ads that were on it. It had a Sony Walkman ad. I like Max. I like Tony. But what I like best is my first Sony. Like those kind of... <laughs> um, but apart from that, I couldn't really think of any, certainly not a Halloween tradition. Um, Tom, did you have any Tom traditions? Um, so my father really loves a Christmas Carol and he likes the, oh, the 1930s one with, uh, Alistair Sims, which is a really excellent version of, of that story. And, and my father absolutely adores it and, and watches it every year despite having i think he owns most of the if not all of the the christmas carol versions i think he's only missing the the henry winkler one <laughs> which he might which might remain missing um we also though to speak what you're talking about kj and i think this is part of the the nostalgia element to all this we had a taped version of rudolph the red-nosed reindeer the claymation one and part of the joy of that is the commercials uh, as much as the the actual entertainment, I mean the you know the old Hess truck commercials are on there, the, these different things. The Hershey Kisses doing the ringing bells. Yes, um, yes, yes, very good. And yes. then there's a McDonald's ad that I can I don't remember what was said in it, but I can distinctly remember the feel of that mm -hmm. one. The Campbell Soup where the kids a uh, snowman and the snowman melts and then it's a kid and he's eating soup. I guess. Yes, oh. I that one <laughs> yeah. And then yeah. a, a Trapper Keeper ad just to mm -hmm. put a date just on to this. throw it in there. Yeah. <laughs> I, but I, I mean, it's interesting because then now watching that tape, and I, God, I don't even know if we have it anymore, but I, I think watching Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer on YouTube or, you know, on a, on a, a, a streaming service or whatnot would somewhat lose the pleasure because the full nostalgic effect is, is not present because we've lost those advertisements. And that's really interesting. I had that same response, that same kind of thing. We watch Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and enjoy these old ads, these kind of 80s or 90s ads. Um, and that's I maybe that's part of this as well, is that because you're reliving something, right, you are then reliving something you know it's nostalgia nostalgia is the pain for the past that sort of wonderful pain for the past and yeah that, i can feel is... the carpet that i was laying down mm -hmm. on when i was watching it you, you can remember what your living room kind of looked mm -hmm. like felt like i can hear that grandfather clock chiming throughout the but that 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 tape would transport you back whereas exactly you say tom the a, a great quality high def stream mm -hmm. wouldn't do it quite the same probably yeah yeah, and I think that maybe that's part of it too. Is that, I mean, ritual is is a sort of conservative thing. And again, I don't mean politically conservative. I I just mean in the sense of that it preserves something of the past, right? It allows us to partake in something that is that is older than ourselves. And um, and it may be that these movies have such an appeal because they 
they somehow manufacture that, right? They, they manufacture that, that nostalgia, that ability to participate in the past, which is very similar to these kind of religious rituals or secular rituals if it's, if it's Thanksgiving or something like that. So maybe like the, the advertisements and like you're saying, KJ, the feel of the carpet, like what your living room or your parent, now your parents' living room looked like, you can't go back, right? Your parents' living room looked like when, when you were seven or eight or nine or 10, um, that and those are the best Christmases. You when you were seven, there's no Christmas that's going to be that great. Sorry, sorry, folks, if you're six. Um, you know, uh, and and maybe that's why these movies are so much fun for people to revisit. Listening to you guys talk about these, I was thinking about some of the ones that I have, or to be quite honest, may even add. So one of the films that we watched in an earlier season of this show was the original Halloween. And I got experience to that a few years ago. That's one, again, a little bit uh, more serious than Hocus Pocus, but one I could actually see revisiting on an annual basis around Halloween time. Because that one is not just your blood count, your, excuse me, body count, you know, blood slasher. Like there's, there's a little bit more depth to that and a little bit more intrigue. The other ones that I do have in my list of holiday traditions, one of them just straight up is Home Alone around Christmas. We always watch Home Alone and, and it's on TV plenty of times. It's one of those ones where I can jump in in the middle if I need to, which is very rare. Usually I have to watch a movie all the way through. But interestingly enough, the one that I experienced as a child and have lost from the tradition that I'd like to bring back, in fact, I'm even recommending it to be one of our holiday films this year, is a version of The Christmas Carol. This version was a TV movie starring George C. Scott. And my father had taped it on a VHS. So it's funny what you guys were saying about the different ads. And I vividly remember this was the early 80s that there was an IBM personal computer ad with a Charlie Chaplin lookalike that frequently showed up in between the scenes of A Christmas Carol. I really do enjoy that version. And again, it's a TV movie. I think it's really well done. And I'm looking forward to exploring that with everyone when we do get to the holidays. But there was one of those scenes where you think back of when you were a child. He was in his dark room right before the ghosts come in and he's eating this stew by the fire. And I used to get my ice cream and make it real mushy and make it like I was eating the stew with him. <laughs> so that was just one of those vivid memories I had as a child and always think about uh, when I watch that film. Yeah, that's nice. That's a nice memory. Well, to start a new tradition um, of me winning, I'd like to <laughs> congratulate myself unhumbly, unlike Nick, um, I'll be the arrogant one this evening, if you guys mm -hmm. don't mind. Yeah, um, let's go for it. Bah yeah. humbug. <laughs> <laughs> scary. Mm -hmm. Tom, you I, can find, I oh, put sorry. a spell on you. <laughs> <laughs> you can find more of our content wherever you listen to podcasts, on our YouTube channel, Twitter at Talking Studios, and our website, TalkingPicturesTrivia.com. We're extremely grateful to all those who subscribe, like, follow, and leave a review. What movies do you currently watch as a holiday tradition and why? Let us know on Twitter, TalkingPicturesTrivia at gmail.com, or give us a call at 201-467-8679. You can find me on Twitter at ThomasLayman15. You can find me on Twitter at KJ1000-1000. Join us next time when we discuss Halloween from 2019 to prepare for the final Halloween movie in the new trilogy. Stay tuned for our first impressions of this film.
Ding, 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 ding. Next week, we'll be discussing Halloween from 2018. Tom, how was your watch? I watched this for the first time today before before recording. I haven't seen it before. I watched it on the computer. It's a very odd movie, and I think we could get into that in the episode. It reads as a memorialization of the original, and, and that's really about it. But what's odd about it is the director is so good with these kind of younger actors, David Gordon Green, the director, that this, this memorial piece that I'm not entirely sure why it exists has these like patches of nice acting work and really kind of funny work with these younger actors who are really compelling. And so the experience is this very odd kind of yin yang back and forth between the kind of some more hokey references and style a la the original Halloween and these small, somewhat improv feeling scenes with these younger actors. So it, it was, I found it to be a kind of odd experience. Chris, how was your first impression? I remember seeing this movie in the theaters when it first came out because I'm a huge Halloween fan. Like the 1978 version is my favorite slasher of all time. So I was really excited to see this one, especially because it was going to kind of retcon some of the really bad Halloween movies that came afterwards. So I, I do like it. I 100% agree with what Tom said about there being a little bit of like a, half the movie is nostalgia driven. Half the movie is like kind of good. But at the same time, I was 100% for just because I love the Halloween franchise. So I, I really liked it. And if you haven't seen it, you should definitely, definitely give this a watch. What about you, KJ? What about your first impression? I really like this movie too, guys. I really like Jamie Lee Curtis in it. I really liked how a lot of the scenes from the original movie, uh, she was where Mike Myers would have been. There was a lot of a lot of play with that. Um, and, and audience, I've only seen the original and then these new ones. And I believe it's a direct sequel to that original. So you, you don't need to go uh, through the other movies that Chris was talking about. So, so, so jump right on and, um, you know, check out Halloween 2018. Um, I, I really thought it was a lot of fun. The movie moves. There's no slowness. It, it just, I thought it was a well put together movie. I really like the intro, the opening, bringing the characters back and how they're introduced. Um, how about you, Nick? What'd you think? I'm not always into slasher films, but as I was telling my uh, co-host here before we started, I thought this one was tastefully done. I am a big fan of the original Halloween, but then as all the franchises developed, they got crazy and they were just like body counts. I'm talking about all of them, Friday 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street. This one gave me more of the vibes from the first film. And I don't mean just pure nostalgia, but the way the body counts happened, okay? Some of them weren't just to add a giant number and we're not paying to, oh, how many people died now? There, there actually was kind of story. And sometimes he was belligerent about it. Sometimes he was nonchalant about it. It was interesting to see how it evolved. I'm going to save the rest of it for the episode, but I did enjoy this one, especially within this genre. Definitely does not compete directly with the first one that's my favorite so far of all slasher films if we want to categorize them as that I, I think it was the original that inspired all the rest but this one was a, a good addition to the franchise 
especially comparing it to other ones that were sequels in the past, which I'm glad technically do not exist in this timeline. Walking up to the theaters in 1993. Start over. Sorry, I think you got blocked. Yeah. That might have just been my voice. No, I think uh, your mic actually like blocked you out. Oh, okay, because it was too sultry. That happened. Yes, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. You got to turn off the sultry sensors. Yeah, the filter yeah. on your Sorry. mic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe leave it on. Maybe leave it on. Maybe leave it on. <laughs> 